You're listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. So I just wanted to set up the stage to, you know, let us all know that how God's people got to the place where we are in the Bible story this morning. See, God, he called a man called Abraham in Genesis and chapter 2 and verse 2, chapter 12 and verse 2, and he says to him that I will bless you and through you all the peoples on earth shall be blessed. And that blessing of, you know, the world was, of course, God's son Jesus was born through the lineage of Abraham and only through him, all the people on earth, whoever is going to receive him, will accept, will, will receive eternal life. Now, late in Abraham's life, God gave a son, Isaac, to Abraham and Sarah. Isaac married Rebekah, and they had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob had 12 sons, who were 12 tribes of Israel. The later chapter of Genesis, friends, remind us that the family that God chose to bless had its own problems. One of Jacob's son, Joseph, who was hated by his brothers, they sold him to the travelers who took him to Egypt and sold him as a slave. The Bible tells us this amazing story of how God blessed him with stunning success. Joseph was given wisdom to descend that ears of famine were coming and he was put in charge of the storing of food for the future in Egypt. Egypt became the storehouse of food for all the surrounding area. In the course of time, Joseph's brothers, they came from Canaan desperate for food. They had no idea that the brother that they have sold as a slave was the one on, on, on him, on, was the one to the, on, on, on them, their lives would now depend. The story of Joseph's friend is an awesome story of forgiveness and reconciliation. And it ends with the family God promised to bless reunited in Egypt where they are safe from this famine. Friends, let me pause over here and say this. As a family of God, as a child of God, if there's any grudge or unforgiveness in your heart, you need to let go of it. You will never be at peace and you will never get involved in advancing God's kingdom. Amen? Now, in Egypt, the promised line continued, and there the family remained for the next 400 years. See, during the, during, uh, the 400 years, the family of God grew. When Jacob and the brothers arrived in Egypt, altogether there were 75. By the time of the Exodus, they had grown into a nation of about 2 million people. The book of Exodus opens by telling us in Exodus and chapter 1 and verse 8, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. 
This is now 400 years from the time of Joseph and the fact that the king did not know about Joseph meant that, that he did not know about the God of the Bible who saved Israel, Egypt from this famine. Amen? At this point, friends, we are reminded that when a nation believes that it can prosper without honoring God, trouble will soon be coming. And it's not only true for nations. It is true individually as well. Remember, friend, if you are a child of God, don't ever forget what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Now, Exodus and chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, it says, And Pharaoh said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and, and, and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. This is the first example we come to the Bible story of violent racism. Now, friends, I want to say this. We live in a very multicultural country, nation, Australia. Thank God for that. And if there's any racism... In you, as a child of God, in the name of Jesus, let it go. You will never be able to fulfill the Great Commission. Amen? Let it go and let God. See, not only Pharaoh was filled with pride, but he was also a very insecure person. Friend, an insecure heart will always make us harm others will always make us harm others. Now, I want to say this, friends. There must have been some key people around Pharaoh who could have said that what you are about to do, it's totally wrong. But they did not do that. Of course, they were scared of Pharaoh, but also, you know, they knew that Pharaoh was the one who can open the door of opportunity in their lives, right? Now, I want to say this to you, friend. As a child of God, never ever get involved in other people's sin. If you see someone is doing wrong, my friend, don't associate yourself with that person. You know, as a boss... You know, at work, you know, if, not as a boss, if you have a boss who is an evil person and he wants to do evil with the workers and you know that he has the key to give you promotion, my friend, don't associate with that person. God hates that heart. Amen? See, some of you guys are smiling. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now, Exodus and chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. Isn't that the case, you know, in the life of people that we are jealous of? The more we are jealous of them, the more God blesses them. Amen? <laughs> amen, amen. Pharaoh introduced his Final solution, Exodus, and chapter 1 and verse 22, he ordered that every newborn male child should be drowned in the river Nile. 
See, when God is not known, human life will not long be valued. And where human life is not valued, my friend, evil will just unleash itself. So here is the truth that our country desperately needs to hear and to grasp. Human life is sacred. It is sacred because we are made in the image of the living God. God gives life and God takes away. Amen. Today I want us to fo focus on just two verses and they tell us three things that we need to know about the God of the Bible. Number one, I am the Lord. Exodus and chapter 12 and verse 12, it says, On all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. When you see that the word, the Lord, you know, written in four capital letters, it is that word that God wanted to introduce himself to Moses, and that word is Yahweh, Yahweh. See, the early chapters of Exodus tells us the amazing story of how God, he protected Moses from the evil plan of Pharaoh. Moses' mother hid him in a basket and she placed, uh, uh, you know, in the reeds beside the river Nile. When Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe, she saw this Hebrew boy, you know, put in a basket and she was moved with compassion. Moses' mother must have been standing nearby because Pharaoh's daughter hired her to nurse this child. Exodus and chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, When Moses was older, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him as her own child, own son. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's palace as an adopted child of Pharaoh's daughter. He would have received a first-class education fit for a, son's, a king's son. Like any student in a secular world today, Moses would have been taught beliefs, systems that were very different from what he had learned about the God of his fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob from the lips of his mother. In the palace, he would have learned about the gods of the Egyptian. You know, Pantheon, Oris, Hecate, and Ra. So Moses would have been in the same position as any student today who knows the story of the Bible but has been educated in a secular society in which the God of the Bible is regarded as one among many possible options. Amen. You guys are allowed to say amen. <laughs> Remember that 500 years had passed since God had appeared to Abraham. These stories, friends, would have seemed like Moses, you know, like stories from the 16th century would seem to us today. So the great question for Moses must have been, who is God? 
The story of how he, des- he discovered who God is is found in Exodus and chapter 3. After 400 years of silence, the God who walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the God of glory who appeared to Abraham, came down and he spoke with Moses. Moses saw a fire resting on a bush, but the bush did not burn. Exodus and chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out from the midst of the bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. The fire was self sustaining this fire you know see i want to say this friends fire only burns as long as they have fuel a candle burns as long as you know the wax is gone and then the flame goes out but this fire though it rested on the bush did not depend on the bush for fuel the bush was burning yet it was not consumed so this fire, like any, you know, like any fire that we have ever say, seen, sustain itself, its own life, sustain its own life. Moses had never seen anything like it. As Moses drew closer, God spoke to him out of the fire. And it says in Exodus 3 and 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Suddenly, it all fell to place for Abraham, uh, for Moses. Fell into place for Moses. See, the stories that he had heard about God were about five to four to five hundred years old. And he may have wondered if God was simply an old tradition. But now, the God who appeared to his father, fathers was now directly speaking to him. Parents, I want to say this to you. Never stop telling your children about the living God. Amen? You never know when God's going to come and talk to them. See, this self-existent, self-sustaining God who could not be confined to any time or any place in history, who exists by the power of his own being, he revealed himself, you know, by the wonderful name to, to what he wanted to reveal himself to Moses. And in Exodus and chapter 3 and verse 14, he says, I am who I am. Friend, God had revealed himself to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, but he was not dependent on their faith for his existence. It is very important for us to know this, right? Think of it this way. Businesses, they depend on customers. You know, universities, they depend on students, but God does not depend on believers. He exists irrespective of whether we believe in him or not. Amen? 
He is, and because he exists by his own power, he always will be. God is who he is. He is not whoever you want him to be. When people say that they don't believe in a God who judges, or they don't want to believe in a God who saves in Christ alone, you know, what they're basically saying is this, that they don't like the God of the Bible, and they have chosen to invent another God more to their liking. Can you see how offensive this is to God? Imagine a man editing a digital picture of his wife. You know, he thinks that her nose is crooked, so he changes its shape. He believes that she weighs too much, so he slims her image. Then when, you know, he has the picture right, and he goes to his wife and he says to his wife, this is what I want you to look like. It's painful to even, you know, think how offensive this is, right? The man's wife would rightly look him straight in the eye and say with a note of defiance, I am who I am. I am not who you want me to be. Amen. <laughs> See, we understand this, you know, in the simplest level, and yet we think that we have a right to reshape God, you know, according to our own preferences, right? This is how I want you to be, we say. Friend, God is not whoever you want him to be. He is who he is. God is who he is, whether you believe in him or not. And that is why none of us can eventually avoid him. You can ignore him all your life, my friend, but you cannot Finally, avoid him. He says, I am the Lord. I am who I am. Friend, the message of the Bible is not that God is there for you if you feel that you need him. The message of the Bible is there is a sovereign Lord who made you and he lays claims, claim to every life. Amen. Friend, this is the challenge for us Christians. We cannot think of God as Santa Claus. We just cannot, right? See, Exodus and chapter 12 and verse 12, God says, I will execute judgments. And, and also, on all the gods of Egypt, I will access, execute judgments. I am the Lord. See, it is very well for uh, the God of the Bible to say, I am. But how do we know that he is and the rest of the gods are not? Now, that is the point of the plagues that came, uh, that took place in Exodus in chapter 7 and verse 12. 
See, God commanded through Moses that for Pharaoh to let God's people go so that they can worship him and they can save him. But Pharaoh refused God's commandment. Pharaoh, he refused to obey God's command to let God's people go. He did not recognize the authority of God over his life. He had his own gods. See, Pharaoh took a fight that he could have never won. Pharaoh took a fight that he could have never won. See, the story of the plagues that came, friends, on Egypt teaches absolute foolishness to take a fight with God, right? <laughs> Friend, a fight with God is a fight we can never win. The sooner that we realize this, the sooner we make peace with God, the better it will be. God said, let my people go. And every time when Pharaoh refused, it cost him more and more and more, and it cost the people. Notice also that God says, I will execute judgment on the gods of Egypt. Pharaoh believed that each of the gods in the pantheon brought particular blessings to Egypt. Oris was the god of the Nile. Hecht was the goddess of, the, of fertility. Ra was the sun god. In the plague, God was saying to Pharaoh, you worship Oris, saying that the Nile sustains you, but I will turn the Nile into a life-left swamp of blood. You worship Hecate, the goddess of Beth, who is depicted, you know, as a frog. But I will bring so many frogs that you wish you never knew her. <laughs> Amen. You worship Ra, saying that the sun will always shine on you. But I will turn the sun to darkness. What you have put in my place will become a plague to you. See, there is a principle over here, friends. Sooner or later, whatever we have put in the place of God will become a plague to us. Amen? Family, career, money, sex, self. God says, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. If we put something else in the place of God, it will become a plague to us, and in the end, friends, that very thing will ruin our lives. Then in Exodus and chapter 12 and verse 13, it says, I will pass over you. God says, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. See, God always acts in perfect. Justice, and justice shows no partiality. God has no favorites. Just know this. God has no favorites. 
When he brings judgment, no one is excluded. If judgment comes to Egypt, judgment comes in every house in Egypt. Amen. Exodus and chapter 11, verse 4 and 5, Moses said, Thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. Many of you will be in the place of being the firstborn. For the rest of us, those of us who are not, you know, just put your place as a firstborn child. Dad, everyone is talking about what will happen tonight. Moses said that every firstborn in the land of Egypt will die. Dad, I'm your firstborn. And I, am I going to die in my sleep tonight? His father says, son, God has made a provision for us. Come and see. He takes you outside the house and there an animal is tied, tied up. He says, son, we have a lamb and this lamb is going to die in your place tonight. We will paint the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lintel of our house. The lamb's blood will be assigned to us and to God that there has already been a death in this house. Nelson is smiling because as I was preaching this message, <laughs> there was a confirmation from God. And those of you who are in our WhatsApp home group page, you'd know he sent exactly the same thing. Praise God, brother. I was on my knees actually in tears. There's already been a death in this house. When the judgment comes, you will live, my son, because the lamb has died in your place. Dad, are you sure? Is it safe for me to sleep tonight? God has given his word, my son. When I will see the blood, I will pass over. Friend, this theme of the blood goes all the way to the beginning of the Bible story when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and the very first time when they sinned, God made a provision by clothing them with the animal garments and therefore he needed to kill that animal. Blood was shed for the first time when sin entered into this world. See, we find the same pattern in the story of Abraham and Isaac. God provided a sacrifice. A ram died instead of Isaac. And Isaac got to get married and enjoy the blessing of God. 500 years after the time of Abraham, God provides every lamb for the houses in Egypt. It's a different place and a different time, but it's exactly the same message. Amen. Friend, your life will be saved through the death of another. 
It was like that for Adam, and it was like that for Isaac, and this is how it will be for you. Friend, these animal sacrifices were a temporary measure pointing to the real sacrifice that one day God himself will take a form of a man and he will come from heaven and he will live like a man, a perfect man. And that's what exactly happened. He came and he paid the price on the cross for the sins of this world that whoever shall believe in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. My friend, Jesus Christ, he laid down his life for you. See, the whole of the Old Testament is pointing to this one central truth. Can't add anything else to it. The Lamb of God has laid down his life as a sacrifice for us. When the storm of God's judgment broke, all they had was the word of God to go on with, my friend. There were two million people who believed and who obeyed. Every one of them was kept safe through the judgment of God. Friend, God's word is rock solid and his promises are amen. We can stake our life at his word. Amen. But this story reminds us, friends, that there is something that we must do if we are to be kept safe through the final judgment of God. Exodus and chapter 12 and verse 7, it says, They shall take some blood, or they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This is speaking very, very powerfully to us that there has to be a personal application. A personal application so that we are kept safe through the judgment by being under the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. See, God is who he is, and resisting him and not embracing his claim over your life will always seem the right thing for us to do because the sin of pride that is in people, right? Satan knows, friends, how to bring pride in people so that, you know, people will lean upon their own understanding and try to come to God in their own way, in their own effort, and not surrender their lives and their will to Jesus Christ. Listen, my friend, if you are in dispute with God, you have picked a fight that you will never be able to win. The best you can do is to humble yourself, acknowledge your sin, and come to Jesus in, in, acceptance, uh, uh, in acceptance that he is your Lord and Savior. Come to him in repentance today. See, we cannot live off someone else's faith. Children, you know, there's no such a thing as being born a Christian. You may have a privilege to be born in a Christian home. That doesn't make you a Christian. When we're going to stand in front of God, we're going to be standing by ourselves alone, not with family. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. 
See, just as there had to be an act of faith and obedience in which the Hebrews applied the blood of the lamb to the door frames of their houses, so there must be an act of faith in which, you know, the saving power of the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ is applied in your life. Friend, I want to say that, you know, don't ever think that, you know, you're born in a Christian home makes you a Christian. The shedding of Christ's blood on the cross, everyone needs to apply. Not literally, but by acknowledging and accepting Jesus that you are, <laughs> that he is the Lord of your life and he's the savior of the world and he's your personal savior. Amen? Now, for those of us who are believers, you know, in Jesus Christ, this is what I want to say to you, friends. See, the heart of the gospel is not that, you know, Christ will make you happy all the time and whatever you ask for in prayer will be given to you, but it is that Christ has come to save you from the final judgment. Just know this, friends. See, it took the laying, the laying down uh, of, of the life of our Savior, Jesus. He came and he paid the price on the cross for your sin, man. You know, taking your place on that cross. Friends, God will always, you know, make us victorious through the blood of Jesus. Yes, amen belongs there. When we're going to stand in the presence of the living God, you know, on that day of final judgment, God will not ask you that how good you were. I'm telling you that, man. If anyone says the other way, just don't believe in him. You need to be standing with the blood of Jesus. That's just the truth. But I want to say this, friends. As parents, you know, our hearts are to see, you know, our children living in victory and doing the right thing. The father wants to see his children living on earth a victorious life, right? Listen, my friend, if you, you know, are struggling with any kind of sin and it's been years and you just can't get rid of that one sin, two sin, three sin, whatever it is, I want to say this to you, you know. See, Satan must have, you know, have this grip over your life and he knows what button to press for you to fall again and again and again in the same area. You know, you could be having a drinking problem, a, you know, drug problem. You know, jealousy, boy, I tell you one thing, drinking and drug problem, people can see very clearly, but jealous heart, you can hide it well, but you can't hide it from God. Amen. What about addicted to pornography? Tell you one thing, man, there's a lot of pastors who have fallen in this area. Pride, rebellion, envy, gossiping. Making money your God. Boy, I tell you one thing, there's so many sins are there, right? See, some of us, we are living like as this is our real home. I'm telling you, my friend, it is not, and thank God it's not. <laughs> man, I wake up in the morning, man, sometimes. <laughs> oh, my back, you know. <laughs> I'm 50, I'm almost 50. <laughs> Getting there, getting there. And Anthony and Teresa are smiling. He goes, that's nothing. <laughs> See, we don't have a desire to do something for Jesus. Why not, man? Why not? 
Sin has become your best friend. Friend, you need to come to Christ maybe every morning with your problems, with a thankful heart. Come with a thankful heart first. Come with a thankful heart. Then bring your problems to him. He wants to deal with your problem, my friend. Why don't we all speak this out? Would you please speak this out? Say with me, I belong to Jesus Christ. There is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Satan, you have no authority over my life. Jesus, please give me the strength and the power to live for you. Amen. Friends, I want to say what an honor and privilege it is to be, you know, called the children of the living God. It's an honor and privilege that God, you know, chose us to, for us to get involved in his business. We got no right to get involved in his business, in his business. But in Jesus Christ, he allows us to, you know, do things for him. Picture, friends, Moses going from house to house during the preparations of that night. I picture this in my mind, friends. Moses saying, are you covered by the blood of the lamb? Is it over your door? Moses saying, brothers, take God at his word and at his command. Now get it over your house. Why haven't you done it yet? Do not delay. This is not just talk. There is a reality over here. There is a judgment coming. And there has been a provision that has been made for us. Friends, we who have received Jesus, it is our job, like Moses, to go to people and tell them about Jesus Christ. We are the ones that, you know, God has chosen. Are you doing that, church? Like Moses, are you concerned about other people's salvation? Like Moses, are you reaching out to every person that God brings in your life? Are you doing that, friends? Like Moses, are you willing to come out of your comfort zone? Remember, he was brought up in King's Palace. He left that for Jesus Christ. Amen. See, Moses was obedient in what God asked him to do. Friends, I want to say there are millions who are dying and they're going to hell. And God wants his children to get involved in the business of God. Are we willing to do that, friends? Now, very quickly, see, at the end of the Bible story, we see a vast crowd of people standing in the presence of God filled with joy. They are saved from the judgment of God and they are reconciled to him. As John, he sees the crowd, someone asks from, you know, those, one of those people asks, and the answer is given from heaven. Revelation 7, 4. Someone asks us that, who are these people? And Revelation 7, 14 says, there are those who have washed their robe and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I want to say this, that, you know, by the grace of God, 
I want to be standing there and I will be standing there. And I would love to see some people over there who I shared the gospel with. Don't you? Why don't we all stand up? I'm going to do some praying. I just want to say that if you haven't given your life to Jesus all this while, you thought that, you know, I could go to heaven because of my mom and dad. My friend, if something God has spoken to you after the meeting, I want you to come and see one of the leaders. Or just go and see one of the believers in Jesus Christ and let them lead you to Christ. You know, sometimes, you know, when you hear a message like this, it takes time, it takes a while to sink in. But for the rest of us, the rest of us, I want to pray a few things. One of the things I want to pray is for forgiveness, that we don't carry, you know, unforgiveness in our heart. And also I want to pray for some hurt people, you know, who are always in churches. I want to pray that God will bring healing in their lives. Also, I want to pray for, you know, if I know that you guys are all have pure heart and you are holy people, but as I was speaking, you know, I mentioned few sins, you know. And if God has, you know, highlighted something, you say, I, actually, that's the area I, 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 I'm battling with. I need help, Jesus. You don't have to come in front. We are not in the business of condemning anyone here, my friend. We are in the business of restoring lives. You can stand where you are and just ask forgiveness from God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, O oh God, for your amazing grace and your love and your mercy, your kindness. Thank you that you have provided a way for us to come to you, and that way is through your son, Jesus Christ. We want to give you glory and honor, Jesus, for what you have done in our life. Lord, I just want to pray for your church and including myself. I pray, Jesus, that we will always be at peace I pray, Jesus, come with the biggest torch that you can find and shine in our hearts, oh God. And if anything is found which is not like you, Jesus, I pray that may we will have that courage and humbleness to say that I have a problem and I want to repent in that very area. Father, I just want to also pray, oh God, Father, for sheep who are hurting and there's some kind of grudge and unforgiveness has taken place in their hearts. I pray, Jesus, would you bring healing right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Jesus, also that people who are struggling financially, looking for jobs, sick in the body, I pray increase their faith so that they can trust in you. The name that is higher and better than any other name, the name of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we know that you are an amazing king. You proved your love to us by coming and dying on the cross. I pray that, Father, people will understand that love. Your children will know that, Father, that you love us. And that love will change them, oh God. Change us, oh God, so that we can be more and more like you, oh God. I pray, oh God, would you bring such unity in the body of Christ, oh God, that together... We will be running this race, understanding that we are in the same team where Jesus Christ is the captain who's leading us and taking us. Father, I just want to pray for Russ and Jane, oh God. Father, we pray for quick recovery, quick healing in their bodies, oh God. And I pray, oh God, your hand of favor upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Also, Father, I just want to pray, Father, for the little ones. I pray, Jesus, that as they are growing at this age, guide them, protect them, O God. Father, may your truth will be revealed, O God, in their lives, and you'll open their hearts and mind to, Father, know that who you really are, that who is this God, the God of the Bible. I pray for, uh, you know, adults over here, saved parents, O God, that they will not only take interest in their own children, but, Father, they will be ready to father and mother those little ones, O God. I pray, Father, that you will raise up men and women who has a heart for you, who wants to disciple the young ones and take them forward, O oh God. I pray, Jesus, that we will be a sacrificing people, O oh God. Father, I pray that may we will be the people, O oh God, Father, who will say, you know, that none of us, all of Christ in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, Lord. God bless you all.